Ladies and gentlemen, Florida State won 10 games in 2022. We have high hopes going into 2023, and we're going to walk through that schedule and tell you, are we going to win more next year on today's edition of Locked On Seminoles? Jake, you know what to do. Let's ride, Dave. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles, everybody. I'm your host today, Dave, and right here with me, I, of course, have Drake. Drake, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, got a, I am heading over to Santa Barbara, California, actually in a few days. Actually heading for a wedding for my fiance's lovely best friend, Shawnee. Shawnee, it's Miller time, you know, for the folks at home. But uh, I'm doing well, Dave, yourself? I am doing wonderful, as usual. And I hope everybody listening is doing wonderful. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And now today we have a great thing to talk about, which is Florida State playing football. I know it's a long time away. What are we, seven and a half months away from our game against LSU? That's too long. Yeah, like eight. I think it's That's eight flat, bro. Long time. So all this is the way too early talk. You're seeing all the way too early top 25, top 10 list, way too early college football playoff projections. Florida State's in the mix, top 10 mix and college football playoff projection mix for next year. And Drake. We don't know the exact days of our games next year, but what we do know is who we're going to be playing against. So let's talk about, I guess, let, let's let's go through that schedule um, or just the teams we know that we're playing. And we know that it starts with LSU. So the year is going to start off really interestingly week one. We're, we're going to learn a lot about, I think, how that year, how next year is going to pan out. I don't think a loss to LSU would necessarily ruin anything. I don't think winning against LSU necessarily ensures a college football playoff berth. How are your feelings against going against LSU next season, bringing Jaden Daniels back a team that was kind of a darling towards the end of this year? Do you think we win again? Uh, for right now, do you want to do like win percentage wise? I'm assuming like you like give us like a 50% or do you want to simply seem like how we feel about hanging this game? Winner starts this. Win or loss. Okay, we'll just do, you know, one or zero, which I, I like the one or zero rule for all aspects of life, folks. It's, it's a deep cut right there. Uh, to me with LSU, it's interesting because I think LSU basically is a mirror image of FSU heading in the, from last season as well, heading into next season. They are also attacking the transfer portal uh, very well. They just added Deuce Chestnut, the, the other secondary, uh, the cornerback from Syracuse as well. And that's a team that Jane Daniels, you saw him blossom. Basically, he... His career kind of was stagnated or kind of declining at Arizona State. Joins up with Brian Kelly over in Baton Rouge. And now, basically, he's another player that showcases that not only can, can he run, but he also can throw. That sounds familiar. And then you also have a defensive line with uh, LSU that first game, you can see they were, you know, they're, they had a lot of talent, but also one was the first game and two. A lot of them were young, young players, but they all have another, another uh, year under their belt. But to me, with this, with the amount of players FSU is retaining, that's, I think, what the key thing is here as well, because not only do we have Fabian Love coming back, but we also have Jordan Travis, Tay Mathune, Jared Verse, who kind of showcases talents to the entire country on that Sunday night. But also, LSU loses a player in Keishon Boutte to the NFL for reasons, you know, we're still kind of, I guess, figuring out basically overall. But to me, with the LSU team, I'm going to slot this as a win because it's also in Orlando and 
we took over Baton Rouge, I can only imagine the amount of FSU fans will be actually at the Orlando game, even though I will not be there. Unfortunately, it's going to be a great time for everyone involved. Yeah. So we all lauded Mike Norvell for winning 10 games this year at Florida state. Um, I think people probably forget that LSU was six and seven in 2021, like the year before Brian Kelly got there. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get here. I'll come on here and lie about LSU. Like that, that was a good team. They won 10 games immediately after going six and seven. Uh, Brian Kelly's a weirdo, but obviously is able to motivate and teach that locker room because they won 10 games and they're in, they're in the SEC West. That's not easy to do. Um, but that said. The profiles between Florida State and LSU this year were remarkably similar. Like LSU, the number 13 offense, FSU, the number 14 offense, LSU, the number 23 defense, FSU, the number 35 defense, LSU, the number eight most efficient team, FSU, the number nine most efficient team. So we're talking about teams that are incredibly similar. One difference to me, or one of many, the key difference to me, I always say when you're talking about two teams that are fairly evenly matched. I'm going to take the team at the better quarterback and Jordan Travis is significantly in my mind, better as a quarterback than Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels got a lot of love last season, uh, played a lot of good football, surprisingly good football. I thought after his days at Arizona state, those days were his good football days were stuck in his freshman year is what I thought. That's not what happened obviously throughout the season. So that team got better. I think they're going to be good going into next year. Also, the fact that we get them game one, I don't think makes much of a difference because it's a very similar team to what it was this season. The fact that it's in Florida and the fact that we have the better quarterback are the two reasons I'm predicting Florida State to win a very, very close game. No, I completely agree with that. So I think we both talked about that as a one. Yep. So right now we're both one and no. I don't think we need to talk about Southern Miss or North Alabama. I think those are both W's, even though shout out to Frank Gore Jr. at Southern Miss. Basically, is carrying on the legacy of his father who... I have, I'm, I was still, I'm not gonna lie, to you, I was shocked to be like, are you sure he's not playing? Cause I felt every single season that Frank Gore was in the NFL on some team. But let's now, let's leave Florida and Miami for the last two. Yep. Let's actually go down to Boston College if you wanna do that. Yeah, let's do Boston College. All so, right, so Boston College. Yeah, yeah, so Boston College was an interesting team this season because you're talking about a team that was 105th best ish in the country, but you're also, wasn't it Notre Dame they beat? Who did Boston College beat this year that was outrageous? Was Louisville. It Louisville. Okay. It, th that was the game with the ridiculous ending, right? I believe so, but I'll double check while you go on. Yeah, please do. So Boston College was a really, really, really bad team. Like we're talking offense outside the top 100 defense in the 90s. Usually Boston College is pretty good at defense. Historically, they've been. It's not, not that team anymore. This is a team that's having to fully re, not rebuild, build and try to find an identity on either side of the ball at any position. That game may be in Chestnut Hill, but that's the game. That's a game that the kind of team you're predict, predicting this Florida State team to be in 2023, that you got to dog walk Boston College in that game. Like, there's no excuse in my mind to lose that football game to that team coming off being so incredibly bad this year. So I'm going to predict a win, and that game shouldn't and better not be close. Yeah, um, Phil Dracovic is gone. Uh, Jeff Halfley, in my personal opinion, might get fired after yeah. this season because what I didn't know actually heading into last season, he was not a fan of taking transfers at all, period. That could work at Clemson because I think Dabo had kind of that setup mentality very strongly, but also Clemson reloads and builds with five-star after five-star after five-star. 
you're not getting a lot of five stars over Boston College. You're also not getting a lot of four stars. And also, Phil Dracovic was behind the worst offensive line I have ever seen. They truly put offensive in offensive line, actually, at Boston College last season. They gave them no protection. I think they had two walk-ons starting at one point. So to me, this is also going to be easy dub. Uh, right now, we have FSU at 4-0 for the 2023 season. Yeah, 4-0 is a great spot to be, Drake. And I think, Drake, you have something else to tell our listeners about that will put them in a great spot. No, folks. What I actually have is our folks, our friends over at Belt Bar. Folks, Belt Bars are more delicious, they're nutritious, and most importantly, they're low-cal with little to no sugar and 17 grams of protein. Dave, as you know, is the is the basically the uh, the cookie dough connoisseur. Your boy is the Cherry Barcia Casanova. I even got some of the cookie dough chunk puffs right now, actually, in my apartment. And trust me, folks, they're delicious. But if you don't like those three flavors, there are 17 other delicious flavors to choose from because Built Bars are basically all the, the deliciousness of a candy bar. So go to your nearest Sam's Club, run in, and grab a 13-bar box with our favorite, favorite, favorite flavors, whether it be brownie batter, churro, or if you're a coconut guy, use the coconut because, folks, Built, Built Bars help you get healthy. And head over to Built.com today and use promo code LOCKS15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get a 15% bonus off of your order because with Built Bars, we are getting healthy together in 2023. Welcome back. Thank you for rocking and rolling with us. And we are moving right along down the schedule right now. Florida state's four and in our book. So that is great news, but we are not done with, there's a lot of football left to play. We're saving Florida and Miami for last. And right now we're on to what I think will be the most interesting matchup on our schedule next year. That would be at Memorial stadium against the Clemson tigers. Drake, I think I think what the ACC does to Florida State in terms of how it organizes our schedule is probably going to end up mattering in terms of some, mm-hmm. like the game against Clemson. Uh, if, if we get an easy game or a bye week the week before that, I, I'll feel a lot, I'll feel even better about our chances, I should say. Right now, the college football world seems to be thinking that Clemson is going like this and Florida State is going like this, up and down, different directions, which is why a lot of coaches and uh, excuse me, a lot of coaches who voted in the uh, coaches poll ranked Florida State ahead of Clemson, despite the fact that Clemson won the head-to-head and the fact that Clemson won more games. So, Drake, just general thoughts. Obviously, a Clemson team that had a kind of a bad offense this year uh, outside the top 50 and got rid of their five-star quarterback, DGO Youngalale, in favor of Cade Klubnik. And that had ups and downs, as you would expect from a first-time quarterback or a new newly playing quarterback freshman. He was a freshman too. And a freshman, but also yet another five star. So how do you feel about Florida state's chances against Clemson and an away game against year two of Kate Klubnik and Dabo? I feel good. Um, I think we're going to learn that basically DJU wasn't the problem at yeah. Clemson. I think he's going to actually do very well actually over, over at Oregon state. Uh, I've, I've said it before. And I'll say it again. I felt that ever since basically we saw Tony Elliott, uh, was unable to coach the Ohio State Clemson playoff game. We saw Dabo's play calling ability there was trash. Then you hire internally uh, Brandon Streeter, who had little to no faith, even though he was the QB's coach actually originally at Clemson, I think in 2015. He also had Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott also helping him whisper to uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence to kind of helping their development wise. So to me, the hire of Gary Riley actually is significant for his Clemson team. But also, who are their wide receivers? Right. I, I, Will Shipley is a really damn good player. I don't think he's one of the, I don't think he's one of the best backs that Clemson has has had in a while. I think that goes over back to Mr. Uh, Travis Etienne, but then also wide receiver wise, 
I don't know who throwing the ball to. I know burning stool or tight ends are very talented, but again, like there's nobody in, on the weaponry. I guess the skill position scares me on the side of the ball. And defensively, they lose a lot on the defensive lines. They lose a KJ Henry. They lose a Brian Brzee. Their secondary last year was pretty, pretty, pretty weak overall. But like this is going to still going to be a this is still going to be a talented team. Clemson still probably will win ten games. But most importantly, I think we're going to have to look and see where is FSU fall basically on their schedule because next year they play Drake May, North Carolina. They play Miami. They play a Duke team that was eight and four less. And they're not a slouch either. And also they play Notre Dame in November. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised that Clemson plays us Halloween because we've done that I think almost two years in a row. So yeah. to me, I think it's a game that. For right now, I think FSU is the better team, but until they show, until FSU shows me they, they can go over the hump and play, I guess above their above their weight class against a more what should be a more talented uh, Clemson roster, I'll chalk us. I'll, I'll be the one. I'll be the hater for you know for this game is chalk us up as an L. Jake, I'm not going to do it. Clemson, as you mentioned, has bad wide receivers. It's not that they're not good; it's that they're bad. Um, like outside the top 80 of the country, bad. Uh, their pass pro this year was surprisingly bad like outside the top 50 in the country which is just for for the level that clemson recruits at like you mentioned one of the most talented teams in the country actually right now according to the 247 talent composite we're talking about a top five most talented team in the country so clemson should have the more talented roster going into this matchup for sure um in their defense they only struggled in one thing like we're talking about a defense that overall was um 13th in the country run defense 17th in the country tackling fifth in the country pass rush fifth in the country what were they not good at drake that would be coverage jordan travis this year showed that he can sling the ball all over the field albeit in that clemson game there was like a span of time where it felt like jordan travis just like wasn't himself um and just wasn't throwing the ball and making decisions like himself so Mm -hmm. Obviously, a lot of people, I think, are going to be left with the lingering question of what's going to happen when Jordan Travis in 2023 goes against great defenses like he did against Clemson and NC State this year. Is it going to be the same result where you see a bit of a regression from what happened the entire rest of the season? I I really, really, really don't think so, Drake. Um, I expect Jordan Travis to be much more consistent and effective against better defenses than he was this year if for no reason other than he now has more time with this new stable new ish now stable of wide receivers who are among the most talented in the country and and one of the best running backs in the country behind him an improving offensive line so i'm going to predict florida state just like lsu to win a very very close game against clemson Okay, so currently I am four and one for the team, and you are five and zero. Oh. Yeah. So where do you want to go to next? Do you want to run down sure. some of these short? Uh, these uh, not sure. I'm not gonna say shot. I'm not gonna say surefire, but like these uh, easier I guess teams to go through. Yeah, we could do that. Um, I guess you could say Syracuse. You would expect to be a relatively easy win. That's a game in Doke, and that's a team that you're significantly more talented than. Sean Tucker's I, it, gone too. He went to the he's, he's going to right. the NFL draft as he should because that kid's a that kid's a sicko. Without Sean Tucker and and we stifled him this year. I, and their OC's gone. Their OC is actually now over at NC State, who actually we yeah. don't play against actually this coming season, which is probably huge for huge for us as well. Right. I I, I personally root for Dino Babers when we're not playing against Syracuse. I think yeah. what 
I think the job he's done at Syracuse should probably earn him a lifetime contract. That's not going to happen. He's going to end up on the hot seat eventually. And I think they're going to really struggle to find an identity next year. So that should be an easy win. That game should not be close, in my opinion. Um, I, I assume you agree with that. Mm-hmm, 100%. Okay, so Duke then. I, I'm skipping over Wake Forest intentionally. I, Duke got better this year. Duke is good. No. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Duke is good for Duke. Is that better? Yes. Duke is good for Duke. That is exactly right, Drake. Um, that's probably the best and only way to put it. We're talking about a team that was nine and four, the 44th best, uh, the 44th, according to the advanced statistics, best team in the country. Stunning to be able to get that out of a roster that was in the place it was and still is in the place it is. So, um, Mike Elko has really squeezed the most out of that roster. I don't think against a team like Florida state that is as complete as it is, who really, there are only two questions in my mind, or what are you going to do to replace Jamie Robinson? And what's going to happen when Trey Benson's taking a breather uh, it, with that being our only two questions. There's a lot more than that on Duke's roster. That game also happens to be in joke. That has to be an easy win to me. Right. I don't think it's going to be an easy win. I think we're going to win that game, but I think that's going to be a game that you're going to be texting me first. Is like, why the hell are we playing Duke this close? And it's, I think because Duke is a very good team. It's a very well coached team. <laughs> Riley Leonard is a very, he's a very solid QB. I think that's the best way to put it. But I do think this is a game though. FSU will win by like a touchdown, maybe ten points. But we're we're going to be asking ourselves why is this so close? Why is this much more close than the comfort than it needs to be? But I think this will be a win as well. Okay, good. So I think some we're on similar pages there. I'm going to skip over. Do you want to do Pitt or should we skip over Pitt? I think the only thing with Pitt overall to me, I mean, it's going to be in Pittsburgh. Pitt's a very good team, actually at home. Uh, they did bring in Phil Dracovic from actually from from Boston College, but we'll see actually how he's able to perform. With a wide receiver cast for Pittsburgh actually is pretty decent, but the only concern that I have is Pat Narduzzi literally had Kenny Pickett finished in, the, I think, when the top five for the Heisman. Literally, the OC leaves, and he said, like, oh, the OC threw the ball too much. I'm like, you, how can you say you throw the ball too much when you have a Kenny Pickett, who was a first-round pick, even though I don't agree with him getting picked there, and I'm a Steelers fan, and Jordan Asson, a Bill and Cop Award winner. But, hey, that's just me. So, yeah, so that's so, that so for Pitt. I think we should wait on that, to be honest with you. Uh, on Pitt, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that that should be a relatively easy win. That offense really struggled and regressed this last year compared to the year prior. Obviously, you mm-hmm. lose Kenny Pickett, that's gonna happen. But that game's in Pittsburgh, so I can understand why you'd be a little more hesitant to consider that an easy win. I will mm-hmm. uh, again the talent discrepancy between the two teams. I think in a money year for Florida State, that's gonna show up. That's a team that you should beat soundly. But last one on the list for the easy wins, Virginia Tech. Um, that's a team that I think a lot of people probably because of their name and because they've been good at times within the last 15, 20 years, you just give them the benefit of the doubt and expect that oh, Virginia Tech's probably not that bad, right? No, that was a really bad team, like the 99th best team in the country last year um, with an offense ranked 118th and a defense ranked 57th. They're really one of the worst teams on offense. They're not good at defense. That has to be an easy win in Doak. I'm just going to say that Virginia Tech was probably one of the worst teams I saw on play football last year. This is an easy win. I can't go any further than that because I don't want to be too mean. Yep. That, and I think that's a that's a good time to go to our next break. And then we will get to the fun game, Florida and Miami, right? Florida, Miami. We didn't say Wake, so maybe I, I, don't, I know you want to say them because you basically are a Wake hater. So we'll get to them after the break. All right, thank you for sticking with us here in our final segment of the show today. We hope you've enjoyed the show so far. Thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. And now, without further ado, we're going to get to the final three games. I haven't had us with a loss yet, Drake. I got us 9-0 and right now. I think 
you reserved judgment on Pitt. So I think you have a seven. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, for purposes of exercise, I'll say Pitt's a win. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I want to see where we, when we play them. Cause if we play them later on, it's going to be cold as hell. And like, yeah. we don't like the cold. I'm like, that's, no one likes the cold. It's like, fair. it's like 50 degrees right now down here. And I hate it right now. Yeah, it's in the twenties up here in New York. Um, and Bless yeah, that's, we're a bunch of Florida and Georgia boys on our team for the most part. So yeah, that's, that's not a fun environment in November or December, but Drake, we have three more games to talk about. We got to talk about Wake Forest. Um, that's I'm going to be really interested to see what a Dave Clawson team is going to look like next year without Sam Hartman, right? So mm-hmm. Sam Hartman was the heart and soul of what Wake Forest has been able to do. I see what, I see what you did there. Hartman the was last, the heart. I like that. I like that. For the last few years. Um, that slow mesh offense absolutely drove me nuts. It was so frustrating to watch because as you're seeing it happen, literally it's in slow motion you're like just get to him right just just push the quarterback and make him uncomfortable don't give him 10 seconds to operate in the backfield and make a decision of course he can throw the ball to the middle of the field to somebody wide open when he has 10 seconds to do it so without sam hartman i don't know what that team's gonna look like um i i think had hartman been there next year i this game would have been unfortunately a coin flip to me despite the fact that florida state is such a more talented roster than wake um it pains me to admit that but without sam hartman i'm going to predict a major step back for that team um on offense you're just not going to find sam hartman was the quarterback wake needed when it had him he was perfect for what dave clausen wanted to do and what that team needed on offense so without that I mean, that seems like a team to me that's going to lose five games. And one of those is going to be to a much better team in Florida State. So that's a win to me. I completely agree. And I mainly agree because I oh, not only is Sam Hartman gone, I think that's a tremendous loss. People forget that the defensive line for Wake was actually extremely solid. And there's one player in particular that I like to point out, and it's uh, Rondell Bothroyd, who actually was a player that I think he actually had the one of the higher sack rates actually in the entire country, actually when it was from snap to snack ratio. And he's also gone, not to the NFL, but he transferred to OU. And that's going to be basically a kind of, you're adding to already a a very promising Oklahoma defensive front. So to me, that's going to be huge. And Dave Clawson, we saw Mitch Griffiths, who Mitch Griffiths was the backup for Sam Hartman when he didn't play the first, I think, two weeks because of the illness. And he understands the offense. But granted, he understands the offense. We saw that against VMI. VMI, the Virginia Military Institute, I'm pretty sure is the, is the, uh, the full name for that. That's not division. That's not, I think, is what I think they're at the FCS level. So, this to me, this is a team that, quite frankly, broke down the last six games of the season, actually, after they played us. And that's also why, when we look at 2022, we'll do the later episode, how, like, you look, you put, look at that Wake game, look over at State, you're like, how did we guys not, not lose a game, but why didn't we show up for, for large portions of both those games? So, for, to me, for this Wake team, I think this is a game that we should be winning comfortably. And if, I think this might actually be a game that will happen earlier in the season too as well. I, it doesn't matter to me when it happens. We're talking about the 85th best defense in the country and removing the most integral part of the team in general and also the entirety of the offense in Sam Harbin. That should be a win to me. So that leaves us with two, Drake. They still, they still got some good wide receivers though. A.T. Perry's good. They, they do, of course. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, they have yeah. weapons. That's not but, a, that's but, not but, but someone's got to throw the ball to them. You're right. So I'm at 10 and 0. Drake's at 9 and 1. And we are rolling into Miami. I think we're going to, obviously, we're going to play Miami before we play Florida. So let's do Miami first. Drake. Okay. Wow. We beat Miami. We, we beat the brakes off of Miami last year. 
Um, that team had everything go wrong that I think could go wrong. Tyler Van Dyke regressed enormously. They otherwise were unable to find a quarterback that could do anything of value. And there were just so many lapses in judgment across the board. It, it appeared to be a team that wasn't well coached, um, much to the chagrin of Miami fans with their eight and a half million dollar coach. So a team that wildly underperformed relative to expectations, a team who I think has a lot of question marks about what they're going to get at the quarterback position. Uh, I think they're going to have a lot of talent at the skill positions. Um, that's, that's to be expected for one of the big three in Florida. But aside from the, and, and on the defense too, they're going to be a talented defense that just hasn't put it together performance and productivity wise on the field. So Drake, we beat them by a million in 2022. You thinking the same thing happens next year? Um, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say. I think this Miami team next year is if they, if they don't change Kevin Steele and they don't change Josh Gass in this entire thing, which I am of the belief that they will make a change on offensive coordinator. I think that they should, but if they don't, I definitely think that this is a team that you, you saw that you like, you, you like Mario Cristobal obviously is an ace recruiter, yeah. but you see time and time again, when it comes to game day decisions and coaching management, He's not that good. I, I, I think that's probably the nicest way I, can, I actually can put it right now. But to me, they have the weapons. You're right. Defensively, also, they're, they have a lot of talent. They just don't, they're not able to use it particularly well. And then you have a Tyler Van Dyke who got injured significantly last year. And I don't know why they kept pulling him out there. I guess the, in, in the FSU game, I know it's a rivalry game, but like, dude, that's you're, you're putting that kid's safety at risk. And that was not okay. But to me, with this Miami team, are we going to beat them by a billion again next year? Unlikely. I, I, think. I, I, I think it's more likelier than not, but also I think this is a team that they're going to need to win six or seven games. You're going to see a lot of freshmen playing. And the reason I harp on that is as much as we hate to say it, they are doing extremely well in high school recruiting. Yep. They are blending five star after five star after five star. Now we'll see how that you know works, you know, when they're all in the same locker room because we saw at Texas AM something similar where it's hard to have basically all, all those five star, all that talent still be on the bench and not getting significant playing time. So you'll see, be, be able to see if Mario and company are able to kind of juggle those roles. But I think if we see a lot more of the freshmen play and their transfer kids, if they're actually the one starting by the time we play them, that and I'm not going to say it's going to be a closer game. I think FSU still is. I think they're going to be the better coach team. They've also been playing a lot more together. Consistency is going to be key for this matchup, but it'll be actually be a better game than last season. Yeah, I, I think it's rare and special to be able to put a beating on your rival like we did this year. Um, obviously, you go back and look at the series between the teams. That doesn't happen often. Obviously, obviously they did that to us a few years ago. We mm -hmm. repaid the favor. But historically speaking, that doesn't happen. Wins like that. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to expect a similar blowout. But what I will say is this. You have to scroll down to the show more section on the advanced statistics to find two different Miami schools. Miami of Florida and Miami of Ohio. They're similarly bad this year in 2022 uh, Miami had the 88th best offense, the 71st best defense. So neither side of the ball played well. I think the earlier in the year that we catch them next year, the better that is for us, because I think that gives them less time to figure things out, especially at the quarterback position. So I hope we catch them early. I don't think it ultimately will matter. I expect to win this game. I think we are the far better coached team. And I think the one part of the Florida state team coaching wise that I don't think really elevated the level of play was at the defensive back position. We've addressed that. I think that's going to work out great. And I really do expect a complete Florida State team 
to be able to handle even Miami's best effort in 2023. So I have 11 and one or 11 and oh, you have 10 and one. Mm-hmm. Either way, that's a, that's a fringe playoff contender. And all of that, whether we're 10 and one, 11, and 0, whatever we are, is going to be heading into the, the Florida game. So probably heading into that game with college football playoff aspirations. If either one of us are right, uh, Florida, Florida has a bad air around it right now with what's going on recruiting wise with Jaden Rashada. Um, it just, it doesn't feel right. Florida, I think you could say underperformed relative to what their fans expected this year. 33rd best team in the country. That's a very nice, that's a very nice way to put it. My cousin, he went to, he went to Florida. He's a Florida grad. He's also a Florida booster. And that's a very nice way to put it there. They're generally pissed off. They they like 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 they understand there's a rebuild, but like six and six, that's something right. that they they didn't sign up for. So here's the thing. I'm gonna just get this out of the way early, and then I'll throw it to you to give all of your beautiful thoughts. This is a win. Um, Florida had a bad defense last year, and I don't expect that to necessarily head into 2023. I think they're gonna improve on the defenses side of the ball, but that was a top 25 offense. And it was a top 25 offense because they had Anthony Richardson, who, despite his on and off up and down play, um, there's a reason that NFL draft scouts like him. And it's because there's a lot of arm talent there. There's a lot of ability to be mobile. And Florida's not going to have that. And not only do they not have that, their answer to that issue was Graham Mertz. Yeah, that's their most important position on the field is their best case scenario is Graham Mertz working out. So I'm going to predict that their offense and defense to flip-flop, their defense probably to head into the top 30 in the country, their offense to fall outside the top 50. You're going to be talking about a Florida State team with a top 10 offense and probably a top 15 defense. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. We're going to have a lot more on the line and to play for in that game, a lot more to lose. That's a win. Yeah, that's going to be a... um... I mean, you put it best. I mean, Anthony Richardson, I think, has all the talent in the world. I think he's actually going to be a pretty good NFL pro, uh, player if he does actually go back and I think backs up somebody and waits maybe a little, actually probably a little bit overall. Um, the thing is with Florida, too, they're losing players to the transport. I think they lost two of their starting offensive linemen. They lost Michael Tarkin. He's actually going over to the USC Trojans. There's another player as well that I think his name is escaping me. I mean, they did back, bring back Ricky Pearsall, which you always want your reliable wide receiver, but it's that's Ricky Pearsall is not someone that you kind of want to rely on as your true number one threat. So we'll see if they attack the portal and bring someone in for that. I know they have Aiden Mizell, the high school player that's coming in for them now. But you're right. With Graham Mertz throwing the ball, and I was a Graham Mertz fan a few years ago when he first blew up on the scene, but people forget, and I forgot the time too, that, oh, it's a COVID-shortened season. You can't everything from that year because that was just a wild, weird year in general. Um, and this is a Florida team that, I don't think is good. And that's, I mean, I Florida's the team out of Miami, Florida. I hate them more, but Florida, I think you see with the excess they have for transfer portal wise for players leaving the team, that's something to kind of keep an eye on the entire kind of disconnect from the program. And also with the collective, whatever's going on there, that's also an issue. And basically where the smoke, where there's fire, if that's happening there, I can only imagine what's happening in house too, as well. Uh, to me, Florida will improve next year. I just think basically right now, the bar is in hell for that program, for that team. I think maybe there'll be a seven to maybe eight win team next year, which is fine. I mean, that's what they kind of, you kind of need that under in year two under Bill and Napier. But this is what I will lock down as probably as more of a win. I think it's more of a sure win, honestly, than the Miami game. Because the Miami game, if you play them later, there'll be some freshmen on the Miami team that honestly are ready to play now. Yeah, I think th- those are all very solid points. And especially those losses, uh, those could have a real impact, especially along the offensive line. I agree with you. I also have that as a win. Drake, I just predicted 12 and 0. You just predicted 11 and 1. Either one puts us in the ACC championship. I'm imagining we're going to have a rematch against Clemson. 
that's going to be hard to beat him twice, but I think that's the team. This Mike's, done it. Mike's done it before. He beat Cincinnati right. twice to win the AAC. So, hey, he, yep. he's done that at least. Before this before this season, he never won a bowl game, and he did it this season. So, hey, at least we're not for that. He's done it before. Well, guess what, folks? We just gave you a playoff team, and we hope we've given you a good show today. Drake, please tell everybody all those things that you always tell me to do, please. Well, first off, I love every, each and every single one of you, and we want to thank you for making Locked On Samuels your first listen each and every single day. As always, folks, we are on all podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast from. And also, we are on YouTube, as you can see, my beautiful face and all of his hair, Dave's face and what he calls that on top of his head. But please don't forget, like this video, hit the subscribe button at the tippy-tippy top so you know when new content is coming out, and ding the little bell so you know when that new content officially drops and folks as we said before i said 11 and 1 they say 12 and 0 all that we all that matters now and all that we do know is that fsu football is this close to being back to being yep. back right where they belong at the mountaintop that's right drake we are this close we are not that close to the start of the season so we're going to learn a lot more between now and then but we predicted a playoff team for you that was drake this was dave and this is locked on summer take care Get everybody you. Don't you dare take my tagline, bro. <laughs> Go to Olsen. Go to Olsen.